It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, a nasty, nasty loss to the Charlotte Hornets on Friday brings up all sorts of questions for your Toronto Raptors, notably... What the hell is going on with the defense? Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, December the 11th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that don't work so good at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. And of course, you can join us in the Lockdown Raptors Discord server, which after a loss like we saw on Friday against the Hornets, is a great place to get some spiraling done, among other things. We also had a little group therapy after Shohei Otani signed with the Dodgers on the weekend. It's a good place, both in good times and bad, and it's free to join. Again, link in the description. Come hang out. Would love to see you in there and be part of our Locked On Raptors listener family. You can also find the show for free. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe, follow, rate, review on the audio side of things. We're also on YouTube, of course. You can subscribe to the channel. Hit the little notification bell so you never miss an episode when it premieres okay today's show is brought to you by our pals over at prize picks the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports go to prizepicks.com slash locked in nba use the code all lowercase locked in nba for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars okay we're gonna break it down and get bad and angry and whatever a toronto raptors 119 116 loss to a team they should ostensibly be much better than but we're not on Friday. The Charlotte Hornets taking down the Raptors. We'll get into the starting lineup stuff, which uh, continues to be annoying and continues to cost the Raptors minutes and therefore games. We'll get into the good, the bad, and the hmm. We got some 905 notes. We've got you know some good stuff to pull from this game, no doubt. Scotty Barnes related for the most part. Um, but we're going to begin in a place that I think is probably the biggest concern for me right now. Look, the offense, we know this is always going to be a struggle. The starters, it's getting to the point where we know this is not a very good lineup. These are things that we know and that I'm not going to get too mad about because like this is like we'll get mad in a different way. But for me, the thing I'm most concerned about is this thing that we thought we would know the defense. We thought that this was going to be 
something resembling a top 10 group. I pegged them to finish fifth, I believe, in the NBA. Just based on their more conservative scheme, they were kind of, you know, telegraphing they were going to play. And just the overall defensive talent on the roster, I had high hopes for Dennis Schroeder, point of attack pest. I had high hopes for, uh, you know, Scotty Barnes kind of moving into more of a low man thing. And he's done that very well for the most part this season, but they've been using him a little differently a little more often of late. And that's had negative effects. I think we've seen even a slight drop off from OG Ananobi. Obviously, he's still unbelievable. He's still incredible, but he's not been the same sort of force of nature that he was at the start of this season or last year as well. And it's all kind of adding up to a defense that just is not very good right now. Cleaning the glass paints like an okay picture for the Raptors defense. 11th in the half court, 14th in transition, 11th overall. Uh, the NBA.com st- site uh, stats have them at 14th. That factors in garbage time, whereas cleaning the glass takes out garbage time. So, you know, do with that what you will. But in the last 15 games, the Raptors have the 20th best defense in the NBA. They gave up 122 plus offensive rating to the Charlotte freaking Hornets, a team that came in as a bottom 10 offense, as a bottom 10 half court team that does not have LaMelo Ball, notably their sort of biggest creator on the offensive end. And they let Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges, gross guy, get the hell out of here, Miles Bridges, uh, let let them cook. Let them all go for 20 or more on efficient shooting. And it's a tr- it's problematic, man. This Raptors team cannot afford to have a bad defense. Full stop. Like, coming into the, v- into the year, my whole thinking with this team was, I think their floor is pretty high because I think the defensive talent top to bottom when you go through each member of the perspective perspective rotation, there's a lot of good defenders here, and there's a high end of defensive talent that a lot of teams don't have either. And I just thought, you play a more conservative style, you trust in your defensive talent, you have you know sort of more of a, a defined string that you're on as opposed to the constant elasticity of last year's defense, which would come undone and break all the time. It felt like they were in a better spot to have a good defense. And I thought that was going to be the driver of this team's success. I had them as a top five defense because I frankly thought the talent was pretty hard to match around the league. And if you're top five defense, your floor is going to be something around a 500 team, probably. Like you're going to just win games because your defense stops other teams. That's not been happening of late. Like, like I said, 20th over the last 15 games on NBA.com. And it, it just does not seem like. They've kind of like there's all sorts of things that are going wrong here, and we can kind of dive into some individual stuff, you know, sort of notes I have just on the general strength and health of the defense, some individual players who I think stand out. But all told, this team stands no chance. They have no shot at being anything resembling serious if their defense is not going to be batting at at least like a top eight level. The offense, it just is what it is, and there are ways they can milk more out of the offense. I'm sure we'll get into that, but right now. This has always been the case, but right now it's clear like defense is going to be the thing that saves this for the Raptors. And they have just been way too lackadaisical, way too unfocused, undetailed, all this stuff on the defensive end of late to have any shot of being a real team. And now you're nine and 13 and staring down a stretch of games here where you kind of just like have to win a bunch of games if you want to salvage anything from this season. And it's not just the wins, obviously. It's just like there's all these big questions, looming decisions. Those decisions get a little bit easier if you stink, but they also it's clouded. It's a kind of a mess. And you would like to have at least like a run where they're playing well, kind of doing the things they're capable of and seeing what this team can be at its best before you make any sort of evaluation on 
all right, who doesn't fit, who does, who are we moving, who are we not? Instead, you're just going to kind of have this depressing run. Like, you can't go that way in the next 20 games here. Like, it's the worst possible outcome here. So for the defense, just like some things I've noticed. And, and look, I, I prob- there's probably more in terms of like hard-boiled X's and O's stuff we can dive into, and I'm sure he will over the course of the week. But just kind of watching back the Hornets game, thinking about how this team has played of late, looking at the numbers, kind of just perusing a mix of the data and the eye test. Few things kind of stand out to me. One, they just like they they don't seem to be schooled in doing defensive rotations anymore, which is a weird thing because that was like their whole thing, obviously, under Nick Nurse was we are going to actively put ourselves into rotation. But I think we've seen a little bit, they've been a little more liberal with like sending two to the ball, a little more ball pressure of late. There was plenty of that in that game against the Hornets. And the rotations on the backside are just slow. They're not there. This happened with the Knicks game, too. You send two to Julius Randle, and all of a sudden, there's threes one pass away, and you don't have anyone in rotation to go and offer a legitimate real contest. You combine that with the fact that I think of late, they've been really sloppy on their closeouts, too, when they have gotten out to the shooter. It's been just a lot of the flying by the Chris Boucher special, but it's been, you know, Pascal Siakam's done it, Scotty Barnes has done it. Obviously, we know Chris Boucher does it. There's been way too many of just like the flyby sort of fake contests that are not doing anything to disrupt the shot really they're just creating up a much more wide open look and you're also exposed on the back end if the shot misses because you have one fewer rebounder out there to go and crash for the board and it's just leading to all kinds of confusion and missed assignments off of offensive rebounds as well this is another thing right it's just like the the attention to detail and the focus and the there was a play in this game down the stretch, Terry Rozier hits a three to go up 104-103. It comes off an offensive rebound. And the the board comes down, and like OG, Precious, and Boucher, none of them seem to know where they're going for the rotation. You know, OG ends up contesting a shot up or, or forcing a pass up at the top of the arc, and then it swings over to Terry Rozier. You have Precious and Boucher kind of both looking at Rozier like, are we supposed to go contest? There's a guy in the corner as well that Boucher seems to be thinking is his guy. Precious doesn't come out. It was just like, this is like, Come on, this is like high school stuff. You're like teaching how to mark a man off of an offensive rebound as like a basic core fundamental skill, and they just aren't doing it right now. It's like it does feel like the small, tidy details that are just so messy right now, and it's causing them trouble. And I think that's bearing out in transition as well, right? Like transition is the part of defense that is way less tied to scheme. Obviously, there is scheme to it, how you sort of you know go through your motions of finding your matches and things like that. But for the most part, transition defense. It's about trying hard and like finding a dude and just kind of being there and getting back quickly. And they have just been kind of letting a run of layups go to the rim in a lot of these games of late. And that to me speaks to the sort of finer detail stuff, the attention, the focus, all of that. Like, I don't want to sound like a curmudgeon just being like, oh, they should focus more. But on the defensive end, like how, what do we say? Like effort and trying is like 50% of defense. That is just not being met right now even with the immense defensive talent. There's individual guys to point out too, right? Like I think Dennis Schroeder has not been nearly to the defensive player he was billed as or what he has been in the past. Just a lot of situations where he's getting caught up on screens. You know, Ish Smith, you know, Ish Smith's blown by many dudes in his in his day. But having Ish Smith just kind of cook you in pick and roll, not being able to reattach yourself to the hip of the ball handler as the lead point of attack defender, just kind of getting hung up and then lost from the possession like that. You can't have that if you're Dennis Schroeder and you're supposed to be this point of attack pest and, uh, you know, just kind of ace defender out there. 
leading your defense. It just leads to all sorts of paint touches and kickouts and rotations, which again, they've not been very good with. And so you factor that. And I think Scotty Barnes, you know, still disruptive, still having really good stretches, mostly in those minutes where he's playing kind of as the nominal five or at least a four next to Precious or next to OG or whatever it might be. And that's because it's the place where he's best on defense. He's close to the rim. He's hanging out. He's blocking shots. You know, the Hornets, they stretch you out quite a bit. Obviously, they have a lot of shooting. Miles Bridges and Gordon Hayward both had their way with Scotty Barnes in the matchup uh, data when you kind of look back at it and it totally checks out. And I just feel like lately, you know, they've kind of fixed what wasn't broken in that Scotty was thriving as an ace defensive playmaker as the low man for much of the start of the season. And we're seeing more often like he's just kind of out there chasing around guards and chasing around wings. And obviously you can't have the teams are going to try to pull apart your defense and take you out of positions where you're comfortable. But it doesn't feel like Scotty has been the low man by design nearly as often of late. And I think that's affecting the defense. You know, you have all the point of attack issues you have. Having Scotty Barnes back there as a help guy, pretty great. But if he is the reason for your point of attack problems, he's not back there to be your help guy. And your defensive rim protection structure kind of falls apart. It's just, it's not great right now. Obviously, like Malachi Flynn, Gary Trent Jr. coming off the bench, they're just butter soft as a defensive backcourt. We know this. That's not surprising. The fact that Otto Porter Jr. has not played a ton. Jalen McDaniels hasn't really figured into the rotation. It takes a couple of very good defensive players out of your night-to-night mix. But this does feel not so much tied to the talent or like, I don't, I don't think this team is hopeless on the defensive end. They have enough horses to be very good there. They're just not getting it done. And it, it comes down to the finer points and the details. And again, like rotations that are disciplined and crisp and everyone knows where they're rotating to, where the help is coming from, how to fill in and account for that. It just doesn't feel like they're super well-schooled in that stuff right now. And it's, it's troublesome because again, this team has no shot in hell if its defense is not going to be swinging with the very best defenses in the NBA. It's the one way they can counteract their offensive ineptitude, which is, well, we just make it so we have to score fewer points because our defense is not only stopping the other team, but it's creating misses and we're running off of those misses and we're turning our really, really potent transition attack into a weapon has not been the case of late. And it's a problem. The Hornets putting up 119 on your head and shooting, what did they shoot in this game? You know, 13 to 25 from deep, 56% overall. That should be a big glaring red flag that something's not working and that it has to be refined. Again, I think that the talent's here. They can salvage it, but it, it's got to start now because this team has no shot if the defense is not going to be really good. We'll come back on the other side. We will get into the starting lineup thing again because that's all we can talk about because it's so obviously a thing that needs addressing. We will get to that. In just one second, but first, we got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, the single best place for you to go and play daily fantasy sports. With Prize Picks, it's just as it's intended with daily fantasy sports. It's you against the numbers. There is no thousands of players out there you're competing with. There's no expert shadow expert lineup you're, you're up against or anything like that. It's just you against the projections provided by Prize Picks, and whether the players on your entry will get more or less in the stats projections for whatever category it is you're looking at. It's great. And if you get all six players on an entry correct, you can win up to 25 times your money, which is pretty sweet. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections as well across football and basketball from the specials league. So you can have a player in either league and say, hey, we're going to get more on receptions and less on points. And if you get both of those right, you are going to win. And that's pretty sweet. 
Right now, go check out Prize Picks at PrizePicks.com slash LockedInNBA. Use the code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match to $100. That's PrizePicks.com slash LockedInNBA. Promo code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match to $100. bucks. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, we continue on here, picking up the pieces after a nasty, no-good loss to the Charlotte Hornets on Friday. Big one tonight, Raptors-Knicks, man. You don't want to lose that. You're like losing four straight, falling to 9-14. and 14. You're back down in the range where the Bulls and the Hornets live in the Eastern Conference. Not sexy, man. Not what you want. A couple of big games against the Hawks this week, too, who seem like they're equally miserable as the Toronto Raptors right now. Um, when we go... So I guess we just got to start it with the talk about the starters, right? Like this is just the thing we got to do on every episode now as a rite of passage until it changes. The Toronto Raptors starters are not good. A minus 5.5 net rating now on cleaning the glass for the entire season. Got worse in that game against the Hornets. They were a minus five even coming into it. So lost a whole half a point. They come into the game late. They can't get stops. Obviously, there's some big shot making that we have to credit the Hornets with down the stretch here. You know, Terry Rozier hit a couple big ones. Miles Bridges hit a big one. You know, fine. Sometimes insanely good shots are going to go down. Don't put yourself in the position where you're at the risk of big-time shot-making late in the game from guys who are pretty decent shot-makers being the deciding factor in the game. And I think they did that with the starters being so bad in the first half, in their various stretches within this game. And it just, it has to be time, right? Darko has talked about believing in this group, thinking there's something here. Everything is glaring and saying there's nothing here. This is a bad lineup. The offense stinks. 106.4 offensive rating. That would be 29th in the NBA. Bad. Really, really bad. Not good stuff. When we know the reasons why, right? Like this, we knew this was not going to be a great offensive unit from the jump. There's just not a lot of shooting. It's cramped. And the sort of distribution of touches between Dennis Schroeder, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam is not personally what I would like. I would like to see Schroeder with less of a pick and roll creation sort of start the possession burden. I would like to see him do the thing where he's been eagerly taking and making catch and shoot threes, have him like just do that for the most part. Obviously he's going to run some possessions here and there, but more Scotty, more Pascal. Good things happen when those guys have the ball in their hands and they're drawing two defenders and they're keeping the offense flowing. Both of those guys awesome in this game, but the starters as a whole, the unit just does not work. It does not have any sort of cohesion and the one saving grace of it once again i'll go back to defense the one saving grace of that group to start the year was they were an absolute bear defensively they were forcing misses running like maniacs off of misses putting up some of the best transition numbers on the highest transition frequency of any lineup of any team in the nba and that ha- magic has been lost a little bit too and right now like i just don't see the argument against going with the change for the starters. It's been more than a month now of the starters proving that they are not a very good lineup. And you also have 
indicators of other lineups that you can go with, whether it's Scotty plus OG and some bench guys, whether it's uh, the lineup where they take Scotty out early, put Gary Trent Jr. and the rest of the starters. That lineup's kicking ass right now. It's like a plus six and a half net rating. It's really good. Actually, maybe up to like plus eight now. It's really, really strong um, in, you know, a pretty decent number of minutes at this point. Like there are, we know that there are combinations that work here. The three big guys plus shooting. That has been nails all season long. The three big guys plus Gary Trent Jr. plus whoever you want. That's been nails so far this year in very small samples. Look, the alternative to the starters could be bad. Absolutely. The offense could fall apart. Scotty Barnes as a lead pick and roll ball handler. Maybe it just doesn't work. I have my own reservations about Scotty as a point guard. I don't think he's a point guard long term. I think he's kind of a jack of all trades, do everything type of player. But the pick-and-roll ball handling and point guard stuff has to be a part of the conversation, part of the mix for him, and it's just not enough right now, especially considering the results you're getting from your starters. And so the alternatives could be bad, but we know that the current option is bad and isn't getting any better anytime soon. So what is the downside? What are they losing by trying something different? I understand there are office politics to you know have in mind here. You signed Dennis Schroeder. You promised him to be a starter. Guess what? I don't care. If you promise Dennis Schroeder to be a starter, I just don't. He's a two-year stopgap player. If he doesn't have, like, if he has a problem coming off the bench, like, I'm sorry, you can't make your franchise future decisions based on that and the whims of Dennis Schroeder. As much as Dennis Schroeder has been good this season, you just cannot be dictating your very, very important information gathering season around Dennis Schroeder, who we know is not going to be a long-term piece on this team. You like. You have to get a look at Scotty Barnes in a bunch of different contexts, and they're not doing that enough right now. You have to get a look at how Scotty plus Pascal plus some more shooting between them works as a duo. That is your avenue to having the highest optimized talent on your roster, and we're not getting enough information on that right now. I, I think this game against the Hornets made me more open to the idea of Scotty at the five being the sort of move. Maybe you keep Dennis in there, but you take Yaka Pertle out. Scotty's had some really nice stretches as the five, whether it's, you know, he kind of starts as the point guard in a possession and flows into being the five kind of amorphously. It's really fun to watch where he'll like run a pick and roll and then pivot into a post up. And that's a thrill. It's great. It's super fun. That That's a thing they're not getting enough of a look at right now. The, you know, I, I think that's a, a perfectly viable lineup. I also think the lineup where you have Yach start in place or and Gary come in in place with Dennis Schroeder can also be viable. We haven't seen enough of it in very tiny samples. It has been good. And I, I think it also, again, puts Scotty in a position where you can kind of test his limits at a spot where it's really important to test his limits at as you evaluate the needs of the team going forward and what is going to be the right type of move and addition and you know target in terms of player type to pair with Scotty Barnes long term. Ultimately, like both the big and small versions of a fresh starting lineup, I think have options. And frankly, I'd be more than okay if Darko wanted to go with sort of a game to game. All right, let's just like see what the matchup is. Maybe sometimes it's going to call for Yaka Pertle to start. So you move Dennis to the bench, have Gary in there, you go bigger. Sometimes it's going to call for Dennis Schroeder. Sometimes it might call for Precious Achua, who has been kind of sprinkled into these lineups in place of Yak down the stretch in some of these games. Not a problem with that. We're going to talk about Precious coming up in the final segment. Some pretty interesting stuff going on with him right now. Um, but I do think the sort of core three guys plus Gary Trent Jr. kind of have to be the staples of the starting five simply for the shooting. And I know coming off of an 0 for 7 game from Gary Trent Jr. is a weird time to advocate for Gary Trent Jr. to start, but we've seen it time and time again. He plays better with better players. Better players are amplified by him. 
it's not just uh, well you're not producing on the bench thing so there's no way you can be a starter context matters it's the reason why the starters think it's the reason why certain lineups really work because you set players up with complementary skills around them and everything clicks into place and that's when you can become more than the sum of your parts the raptors right now just pure talent wise on the roster they're not a 9 and 13 level team they are probably like a smidge above 500 maybe even better in terms of pure talent. They have an all-NBA guy in Pascal Siakam. Scotty Barnes is playing like an all-star. 31-10-10 and 10 in this game, by the way. My God, he was awesome. Um, you know, OG Ananobi, all-defense level guy. Daka Pirtle, extremely cromulent starting center. Like, there's is not a bereft roster that should be losing nine out of every 22 games, but that's what's happening right now because they're not optimizing the players on the roster. And look, like, I'm really rooting for Darko Ryakovich. I think nice guys are cool. I want nice guys to be the, the, the sort of new wave of NBA coaching. It would be sweet. And not, nothing that's happened so far has any in any way informed whether I think Darko long-term is going to be a good coach or a bad coach. We are still way too early to know that. There's a learning curve. You had to figure things out on the fly. He's obviously done some very good things for the general tone and tenor of the workplace. There's been some interesting tactical stuff he's busted out. I have no problems with Darko big picture right now, but I do think the whole tone and tenor of the conversation around him really stands a chance of souring if this starting lineup thing, which is just glaring and batting everybody over the head with this does not work. If it persists and he refuses to change the starting lineup, that could really, really change the overall sort of feeling about Darko Ryakovic within the fan base which maybe doesn't matter at all if you're the Raptors go nuts but like you know the fans can say what they want if you feel like you're good with your own process then that's probably a better way to go about it but right now everything like the process and the results are telling us that this isn't working and that something has to change especially when the goal of this season is to glean valuable information about the future of Scotty Barnes and what fits around him they're not doing that right now. We know some things already. We know Dennis is a stopgap who fits imperfectly. We know Jakob Pertl is a bit of a tricky fit in this current iteration of the roster. We only have inklings as to what the other alignments will look like, and we need to start turning those inklings into foregone conclusions before trade deadline season really kicks up here. It's a problem. The starters are just not good, and I don't think that is uh, controversial. I don't think that's going to surprise anybody. They need to take a look there. And, and yeah, you know, this game, you get a bad shooting night from OG. 0 of 6 from deep, sure. You're not always going to get that. You probably win if OG hits two threes in this game. Dennis Schroeder, 0 of 4 from deep. That's not been the norm this season, but maybe closer to the norm for his career. Keep an eye on that. You know, Gary Trent Jr., 0 for 3. Obviously, the shooting in this game, 6 of 32, really bad. You're rarely going to win basketball games when you're 6 of 32. There's some variant stuff to this game where they got variants to be sure, you know, you're not going to have the Hornets go 52% from deep all the time, but the core issues, the core problems with the starters, they're independent of the shooting luck you get on a given night. They're deeper issues and they need to be addressed. Otherwise, this team is going to keep on pissing away minutes and leaving themselves late in games where they have to make big comebacks against bad squads and be prone to variance and all that stuff. It's uh, It's got to change, man. I'm not enjoying watching the starters right now and I'm feeling a little fired up about it. We'll come back on the other side. We'll get into the good, the bad, and the hmm. Actually going to be, I think, a pretty positive note to end off this show, if I'm being totally honest, um, with some bad mixed in and a farewell to a dear friend of mine, 
I'm going to miss dearly. Uh, we'll get to that in just one second. But first, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, North America's number one sportsbook. Actually, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet that wins. That's 150 bucks. If your team wins, that's pretty sweet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on to kick off the NFL season. There's all sorts of ways to do it, whether you're betting on the NFL. Maybe you want to go put some money down on the stupid Dodgers winning the World Series now that they got Shohei Otani. Mad. I'm upset. I don't like it. It stinks. It's bad. You want to bet on the Blue Jays finishing fourth in the division? You can go do that. You want to go bet on Cody Bellinger becoming a Blue Jay? Fine. That'll make everything feel better, right? Either way, I'm doing just fine. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Kick out the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, rounding up the show here. Just a reminder before we dive on into the good, the bad, and the hmm, that you can find Locked On Sports 24-7 free daily over on YouTube. It's an all-day streaming channel with all of the biggest stories from the sports world. Yes, Shohei Otani will be covered, I'm sure, among other things, uh, running all day long, whether it's the local experts on the biggest stories throughout the, all the leagues or the national shows covering all of the big stuff. It's all over there for you on the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel, the first of its kind. Go check it out. All right. The good, the bad, and the hmm from the game against the Hornets for those uninitiated. If for some reason this is the first episode you've ever tuned into the podcast, uh, you know, the Hornets game just really got your Raptors juices flowing. This is a segment where I do a thing I liked, thing I didn't like, and a thing that uh, has me a little intrigued from the most recent Toronto Raptors game or just like the general weekend that was for your Toronto Raptors. With the good, yeah, let's go Scotty Barnes. He was pretty damn sick in that game against the Hornets. Win or lose, really awesome to see him spearhead that comeback in the fourth quarter. It's a shame that they lost the, the rope at the end. Seems to be a bit of a recurring tale at this point. but. Scotty was awesome. And again, like seeing him work as a 0.5 or within the same possession, he can operate from the top, flow into a post up where he's kicking out or just go and score on a dude because he can just kind of get to the rim whenever he wants at this point. Like pretty, pretty fun. I think, again, we've seen a lot of games in a row now, too, where the balance between Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam is being struck pretty nicely. 31, 10 and 10 for Scotty in this game. Second triple double of the year. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Pascal goes for 25, five and four, a perfect co-star night, I would argue. Um, and you know, the simpatico between them is there, right? Like they'll work well with one another off the ball. 
um, or so one's on the ball, the other's off the ball. They can really use the leverage of one another to create good stuff. I like the Siakam Barnes duo and how that's working right now. The balance is nice. And Scotty, just like there's a lot to like here. And again, the whole jack of all trades thing, very much on display in this one. He's creating stuff from the wings when the ball swings to him. He's creating stuff from the top at the start of possessions. He's creating stuff as the as a big man. Like there's just so much going on here with Scotty Barnes that is juicy and exciting and really thrilling to kind of dream on. Um, you just want to see the context be a little bit better, of course. The three-point shooting from him, I mean, good God. Like 38%, high volume. It's totally changed the game for him and the way him and Pascal fit with one another. And I went back and watched all of Scotty's assists just to kind of see, like, okay, is he like doing the pick and roll creation thing effectively when he does it? How are his assists coming? A lot of them, you know, are, are sort of, you know, there's a couple kind of phantom assists in this game against the Hornets, honestly, where it's like one pass to Precious, Precious dribbles four times and scores, and it's like, Scotty assist, thank you, Hornets scoring team. Um, but there are a few where, you know, he runs pick and roll, he gets a step, and, you know, the team is worried about his pull-up mid-rangers, so he's kicking out quickly for a shot. Obviously, Yak is there to get those passes as well. Um, we've seen that connection be pretty good between Scotty and Yak. And I think, too, you know, Again, even on the possessions where I think the sort of limiting factor right now for Scotty is can he get downhill against teams in pick and roll? Because teams are not super worried about him as a pull up three point shooter. They'll meet him where he's going to have the mid range go up probably. And is that enough of a, a deterrent for Tifa? Like, how does that make them change how they think? All that stuff. They're still going to go under most of the time. And so that's the thing he's got to navigate. But if he can turn the corner, get a step on the defender before they can get back in front of them as they're navigating under the screen, that's huge. But even when he's not doing that, there were examples in this game where Scotty kind of gets held up, doesn't get downhill, but because he's so bloody huge and because he's a great passer, he's still making reads that are getting good looks. The the lay, the, the play that stands out, third quarter, I believe, late, uh, Scotty has the ball on the right side. He runs a pick and roll with Purdy, goes right, and they meet him with two guys. He's kind of walled off. On He's been pushed, he's iced towards the side, but he is enormous. Again, he can see over both of the defenders, and on the weak side, Pascal's cutting in from the corner on the baseline and he throws a lob to him and scores. And it's like, that's pick and roll creation. Even if it's not like the traditional set your pick, get downhill, drive, kick, all that stuff. It's still pick and roll creation. It's a form of it. And Scotty has that edge. It's like a cheat code that he doesn't have to be the most dynamic guy getting downhill because he can still make passes over a defense that's in front of him. And that is pretty sweet. So uh, more Scotty running pick and roll, I think is kind of, I mean, Zach Lowe wrote about this on Friday in his 10 things as well about how more Scotty and pick and roll, whether as a role man or as a creator and some possessions as both, which is pretty cool. That's got to be a bit more of a thing here, but yeah, I love the Scotty game. Hated most of the rest of this game, but 31, 10 and 10, two and one. How are you going to argue with that? 12 of 18. He was awesome. The bad. So we'll go to the 905 for this one. We've talked about the bad from this game. We could get into the last possession and all the stuff that went wrong. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, the bad is a farewell to big Ron. Ron Harper, poor guy, shoulder surgery uh, away from his two-way contract. I, I would hope that the Raptors are taking care of him. Um, even with that, you know, is a just a it's good people. We'll see. But from the sadness of big Ron not being one for the future anymore. And look, there was never a huge chance that Ron Harper Jr. was going to be a real NBA player. I just think athletically, kind of at a disadvantage. Even if he's this type of dude who kind of does everything pretty well, uh, he didn't have, as I think Vivek Jacob pointed out last week, like didn't have that one skill to really pop and say, hey, like this is the thing you can hang your hat on as a player in the NBA. You know, it's a shame. 
hopefully everything's good for Ron and he can kind of get back and keep on fighting for NBA jobs in the future. But from the sadness of losing Ron Harper, there is some good to come out of the 905 from this week. Jonte Porter signed up a two-way contract. His first game, very nice. I think he had something like 13, 8, and 5 or something like that. I had read the box, box score yesterday, lost it in front of me here. But, you know, hitting threes, he's like a stretch five. Maybe there's something there. Maybe he gets some minutes at some point this year. You know, it's a two-way guy, so don't put your hopes too high or anything like that, obviously. But uh, Jonte Porter seems to be the type of player they need on the roster. And so good to see him getting some 905 run. Hopefully that can help that team kind of turn their fortunes around. Because obviously it's been a very grim season for the 905. And then also Grady Dick back up tonight. Uh, recalled from the 905. Should be hopefully in the mix with Otto Porter Jr. out against the Knicks tonight. Uh, need some shooting. And Grady Dick seemed to, seems to have kind of gotten his comfort right and figured a shot out or whatever down in the 905. So hopefully that translates back to the NBA. Because boy, could they could use some Grady Dick shooting in this one. My hmm to round out the game. Precious Achua sneakily doing some stuff lately. Obviously really good in this game. 17-10, 7-10 3 3-10 from deep. Probably his best game of the season, just statistically speaking. But of late, we're seeing Precious kind of figure some things out. Obviously, there's still boneheaded plays and gaffes and missed bunnies and all the stuff that comes with the Precious experience. That is the poster coaster life, baby. But I do think we're starting to see the three-point shot. Maybe? Is it a thing again? Like, we've been sort of yearning for the back part of the 2021-22 season version of Precious where he shot like 40% on three and a half attempts a game. I'm not saying we're seeing that happening again in real time, but if you look at the last 10 games for Precious, 8.7 points, 5.9 boards, 2.2 assists, and leading the team at 44% from deep on two attempts per game. Again, that's a tiny sample. There's a lot of bad Precious shooting out there, but... That's huge. If Precious is like a passable three-point shooter, he's up to 33% of the season, that's a big thing. That figures into some of these different starting lineup possibilities as well, right? Like our closing possibilities. You're worried about Yox free throws. You're worried about defensive switchability, whatever it might be. Precious Achua is sitting there as a potential guy to throw out next to Scotty Barnes and those big front courts. I mean... It's, it's 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 just a hmm right now, but if the Precious three-point shot is back, if there's a renaissance for the Precious three... That's a really big deal, not just for now, but also for the future and whatever his next contract is going to look like, whatever his future with the team is. He's been nice, man. He's been, like, I think, clearly totally deserving of being the sixth or seventh guy in the rotation alongside Gary Trent Jr. Um, and, you know, there will be some times where he can close for sure. I'm, I'm man, <laughs> if the three is there, there's something. This is exciting. But again, it's just a hmm right now because it's only been about 10 games or so of this uh, sort of return to peak form, but we'll see. It's a big thing. We'll re leave it there on that hopeful note of optimism and uh, send you off into the game against the Knicks tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Of course, please subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff. It's always appreciated when you support the show, however you support the show. And we'll be back again tomorrow with our pal Vivek Jacob to break down the game against the Knicks tonight. Busy week, obviously. Got games against the Hawks. We'll dig into those and all sorts of other stuff that we'll maybe we'll do a deeper dive on the defense at some point with someone smart or whatever. But either way, thank you so much for tuning in and support the show however you support it. Again, on YouTube, you hit the notification bell. Never get never miss an episode when it goes live, which is always a nice thing. Till then, till tomorrow. Thanks so much. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Bye-bye.
This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.